Hello and welcome to Dowdy, the podcast where me, Mariana Feijó, talk to my guests about the concept of bravery, or braveness, even just the moments where folks have been slightly out of their comfort zones. This week I was brave because I'm yet again attempting to tackle my independence in contraception by trying yet another method and installing the coil. Yes, installing. I say installing. I got my coil installed by a doctor. And this doctor, whose specialty means that she looks inside people's vaginas on like a daily basis, told me I have one of the smallest, neatest cervixes she has ever seen in her life. She had some trouble finding it, and then she inserted a coil inside it. Before she inserted the coil, she did a bunch of other things, like holding it in place with some... What she told me were like tweezers. I hope it wasn't like just the same kind of tweezers I used to tweez my hair out of my eyebrows. And also she also measured my cervix or whatever. So she inserted what felt like a needle and then she inserted the coil itself. And then she did tell me as well that it is a very effective method of contraception, but sometimes the coil moves. So I need to pay attention to symptoms of pregnancy so if I feel pregnant to go to the doctor and I'm like (laughs) how does one feel pregnant a friend has told me that probably I'll just feel like satisfied like my life is complete as soon as I get pregnant and this is a joke because we've got we get told that a lot as people who don't have babies and who are not necessarily planning to have babies a lot of the people who have babies in our lives tell us that there's no nothing else in the world that will make you ever feel that satisfied as having a baby so maybe that's immediate uh, from the moment you get pregnant despite having a coil that is there for five years and meant to keep you safe from pregnancies also yeah i I will get it checked regularly because that's what you should do go to the nurse for her to look inside you hey it's a journey (laughs) there's two or three other things i want to tell you about this episode uh one of them is that towards the end i talk about the goals I had to start with and the goals I now have with this podcast and one of them is about my one of my initial goals was that I wanted to get better at treating sound at editing sound and I say this in a podcast that has (laughs) I, I do think I got better but this podcast in particular has some some issues with the way the sound was captured so there is a little bit of reading that my current skills of sound editing don't allow me to remove from the bits that made it into the podcast. But I think it's not super distracting and I don't think it will make it horrible to listen to it. Just try it and let me know. (laughs) I'll see. I'll see how many listens this podcast has uh, to know how many people made it through. But I, I do think it's not distracting. And the one other thing that I will tell you is the name of the person my guest uses as an, as an example of bravery. They get very worried that they said the name wrong and then they sent me the name in writing for me to say it. I don't know if I will pronounce it correctly, but I will make my best attempt. Uh, and the name of the person is Hashi Mohammed. Now that all the bureaucracy is out of the way, 
Dowdy starts, as it always does, with my guest Reg Arnold introducing themselves. I'm Reg, formerly known as Regina by my mother. <laughs> I am a relationship coach, trainee sex and relationship therapist. I've been slowly shifting out of the sort of corporate space, uh, working in HR for almost a decade in, in big corporate companies and and realize that that's not for me, so time to shift. I'm a counselor for the NHS. I'm a counselor for a few other LGBTQIA plus charities here in London. Uh, shout out ELOP, shout out Terence Higgins Trust. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm exploring this whole gender thing <laughs> and kind of floating around that <laughs> rainbow flag, just sort of feeling out what, what, what feels good. And yeah, I... I I give a big fuck about people fucking and I want to make sure that people are supported in that process and in their relationships. So I, I think that's a pretty uh, general intro. <laughs> oh, it's a pretty good one. And I, I'm with you giving fucks about people fucking. So yeah. <laughs> How would you define bravery? I love that you asked this question. I was listening to some of your other podcasts and asking it. And I think you mentioned that you are not the biggest fan of the word brave. Did I understand that? Yeah. to start Like when yeah. I started the podcast, for sure, it's, it's right. grown on me throughout the episodes. So yeah, I, it shifted the definition for me with the pod, with right the episodes. On, right so, yeah. on. Yeah, I think that's, that's one thing that comes to my mind as well, is that this idea of it being uh, something that evolves. I think the word brave initially for me feels very bravo, bravo. Oh, it feels very congratulatory, um, which doesn't really fit for me. And then I think about, you know, other words that replace brave. So words like courage. And I think of the actual word, right? Cour, chaj, heart, rage, sort of fire. I think that's a bit more energizing and more beautiful. But I think generally, what does it mean to be brave? What does brave mean to me? I feel like it's, I feel like it's just being in your integrity, and just staying in your integrity and acting from that. And I think integrity will vary for different people, but it's about getting a bit clear about what does it mean to be an integrity for myself and how can I just keep doing that, <laughs> keep keep acting from that place. That's the sort of general for me. I've taken notes before this, by the way, so if I'm looking down, yeah. it's because I, I really like thought and felt it. I cried a bit this morning. It's all been a bit, <sighs> it's oh. good. It's good. It's, it's part of like, it's part of reflection for me. And it's part of my integrity is to be able to sort of be with, mm -hmm. with whatever comes up. I told someone today how much I appreciate them and how much they mean to me. And I think that's brave to be able to, to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I've tried to do more and more as I grow up because, uh, yeah. Uh, and I didn't say after I grew up because I feel like growing up is like mm. a constant. I was also looking down because I remembered I read something about mm. courage the other day that mm. I wanted to mention at the podcast and podcast and I've been forgetting. It's Brené Brown. It's a quote from Brené Brown uh, book and it's uh, courage is a heart worth. The root of the word courage is core, the Latin word for heart. So one of its earliest meanings was to speak one's mind by telling all one's mm. heart and I think that's like yeah another definition for courage that I think is very it it, it means more to me than just like I don't know war <laughs> which is the first uh, meaning that those words have for me are more uh, connected to yeah, that I think I think I mean brave heart all of these sort of pieces of media that we get con that we consume or have consumed in time I think that adds to it um, and I, th I certainly think that there's a 
an overt way of demonstrating bravery or, you know, sort of outwardly brave. And then I think that there's a bit more of a subtle, great-hearted sort of inner bravery that yeah. um, that maybe doesn't get seen or get talked about as much. So I love that. I love Brene Brown. I mean, well, what an epic human. You also mentioned like the mm. bravo, bravo bit of how you felt about the word as well. And that, yeah, the, some people have mentioned how it is a bit from the mm -hmm. eyes of other people who tell you who have been brave or whatever, which can also be um, a big pressure thing. If someone tells you, oh, yeah, I've been brave, you're brave, <laughs> I need to be brave. Like, thank you? I mean, what do you say to that? It's, it's a weird one. I've, yeah. I had that. I had that <laughs> thought. People, and I've done this before initially, like um, along my sort of journey of processing, but like, you know, people uh, born in female bodies who don't shave their armpits, for example, or don't shave their legs. Oh, that's so brave. Why? It's just hair. <laughs> like, but that's, I think that's for me where the, the sort of integrity and values piece comes in. It's like, is it brave for me? And I'll, I'll give you my, like, this is a little, I've been, I've been, this came from a very drunk conversation with my best friend in the world, Mike, um, <laughs> where we were talking about, well, like, what are our values? What are, like, what do we actually want to, like, be in, in, in this world that we live in? And my, I have this, like, little integrity test, which is basically, am I being honest Am I being kind? And am I having fun? And if I say yes to those three things, then I'm in integrity. And my armpit hair is not me being honest, kind, or fun. Therefore, it's not a thing to be, like, about. But it's it's just, I think it's, it's, it's like you said, it's like this, do I actually, like, what does that actually mean? Thank, like, thank, thank you for seeing that and for, apparently it's something for them right yeah. I think that's another thing it's like that projection of this other person being like oh you're so brave oh, that was so brave of you I guess it was for you otherwise you wouldn't be saying that so thank you yeah next <laughs> yeah I and I think like I need to learn how to say like to just mm. say thank you instead of arguing with people for telling me something which is maybe not the case with brave when they tell me I'm brave maybe I will say tell them no I, I don't feel brave oh, th but thank you but I do that with like almost every time someone tells me something that's meant mm. as a compliment I uh, no uh, this I bought it like secondhand it was very cheap I, know. <laughs> I don't know but again, that's such like a condition that. that's such a conditioned behavior it's like it's it's oh this oh this old thing oh no 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 it's I don't know when instead I think oh there's my webcam going instead it's like Receiving is brave. Receiving is being in that integrity, in that honesty, in that open-hearted space, right? So receiving things like a compliment. It's it's this it's these small moments I think that that enable us to to be more to be more brave. Things like receiving a compliment, things like receiving feedback, you know, constructive or otherwise. Like that's all part of 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 diving a bit deeper into into who we are and and how we want to be. So, yeah. Have you thought about moments in your life in which you have been brave? Yeah, I have. And again, I sort of did this little like, because when I thought about bravery, and I mentioned it already, the sort of idea of, of outward, overt bravery. My webcam is dead, by the way. Outward, uh, overt bravery versus the sort of more discreet, personal, great-hearted bravery. And I have a bit of both. And I think, I mean, what would be useful? Because I, I, I was thinking about like, when was the last time I was brave or I felt brave? And honestly... It was Friday night when, uh, and I posted this on my social media, when I got a text message from an ex-partner, lover of mine that I haven't been in touch with for a while. 
and all of this shit, like all of this stuff just like boom, came back up to me and memories and thoughts and, and I'm looking at Alex cooking dinner and I'm just like, no, <laughs> this doesn't, this, oh, this feels oh, so many things. And, and just being with that and being with myself in that and then telling Alex afterwards, like a little bit after I had sort of been through my process, being able to share that with him was honest uh, was felt like the kind thing to do. And I did it in a sort of playful way. So it had that fun element. And I think that is for me being, being brave. But I mean, like you, for you, 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 we've known each other for a little while, you know, I've, I've gone cliff jumping. I've moved out at, at 15. I lived in Mexico. I've done a bodybuilding bikini competition, all of these overt things that other people say, Oh, that's so brave. I'd never do that. I'd never have the courage to do that. When actually I think just sitting with myself and or sitting with another person, so sitting with a client, for example, in, in my therapy room or in, in counseling or a coaching client and just sitting with them and letting that sort of moment land and really just staying, it's hard to explain, but just really holding that I think is one of the bravest things that we can do, really holding our emotion and being calm with it and staying with it and not getting into our heads about it and going flap 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 just really staying I think that to me is brave and I think it takes practice it takes a lot of practice to be to be in that and to be and I'm not perfect at it either I was flapping around with this guy texted me and I'm like no (laughs) but allowing that right like allowing that initial flap and then letting things just settle a little bit uh, and being with that I think that for me is uh, that's a time where I've been brave recently. Mm-hmm. I find it really difficult to, uh, th- without like asking a bunch of questions about why am I feeling, uh, where, where, what's, what's up? I find it really difficult to just sit there and feel it because I feel like I just ask a lot of questions and what ifs and all mm. of that, uh, which is uh, maybe not helpful. Uh, and also, like, just for our listeners, Alex is yeah. Reggie's partner. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my beautiful partner. And, and so the, the, I hear you, the, the sort of why, why am I thinking this? Why am I feeling this? That's such a, we're, we're so in our heads so often. I am the same. Mm-hmm. I think the practice, though, is to kind of really get into my body and to be like, okay, where am I feeling this in my body? Am I feeling it in my, like, left toe am I feeling it in my knee am I like where in my body is this happening and then for me and this is literally what I did on Friday I was like okay I'm really feeling this in my shoulder so I need to like like calm my shoulders down because it was literally like my you can't see me listeners but my shoulders went like my traps like super engaged but really just sort of all right it's okay you know self-soothing as well in that moment knowing that the feeling that we're experiencing is okay um and it just is um, accepting that, accepting those feelings is a pretty brave thing to do, whatever those feelings are. Yeah. And also you've mentioned telling it then to Alex, which is something that I think everyone has, br- not everyone, but a lot of uh, my guests have, have brought up how difficult it is to be like vulnerable in a relationship. And that's part mm. of it. Like you, in telling Alex, you were vulnerable uh, oh, big time. It's, it's, you know, I'm one of my, my coaches that I've worked with in the past used to say this all the time. And it's so true. You know, put your titties on the table, put your saggy ball sack on the table, because the more you do that, the easier it gets. And this is it. This is the reality of you. <laughs> and 
this is the you that this person's relating with. So they deserve to see all of you. And you, des- you deserve to see all of you. Right? Let me put my saggy ass titties on the table. And this is the reality of it. And I think what's, what's interesting with, with sharing things with partners, and maybe you've talked about this with other podcast guests, but for me, the sharing kills resentment or kills that kind of like, I'm going to hold this in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this to myself. Because that only creates stress, resentment, blame, frustration. And I find that a lot of people that I've worked with, it's almost like people love that resentment or they love that tension more than they love themselves, more than they love this other person. What? You know, being, being vulnerable, being brave in relationships is I think about releasing a lot of that, like releasing a lot of that resentment, releasing a lot of that tension um, that we have towards ourselves and towards this other person or these, uh, these other people. Um, cause that's a choice, right? To hold on to that, to hold on to that feeling of tension and blame and resentment. It's a choice. And like, I don't want that in my life. So, yeah. And, and, and you know what Alex said to me after I, I told him that, um, he said, thank you. And he said, this is the kind of relationship that I want, right? One where we can, tell each other these things and it's not comfortable it's not comfortable vice versa when he tells me that he's thinking about reaching out to a previous partner for x y reasons it's not comfortable but sitting with that and being okay i hear you thank you um this is what i'm feeling this is what i'm thinking and and yeah that's it that's all you can do really because ultimately this other person is gonna do with your titties on the table or your balls on the table whatever they will do right um yeah I do do have to say that for me, and not not as much as like about t- talking to partners about par- partners because I am mm-hmm. ethically non-monogamous, and there are other partners all the, all the time, and I talk about them with my partners as long as they want to listen, because that yeah, that's yeah. also a conversation to have. But it, for me, uh, it's much more easy to put my titties on the table, my physical, literal titties, than my emotions <laughs> on the table. <laughs> But but that's but that's already I'm the same right like I'm I'm like yeah I'll go onto a bikini and do a bikini competition yeah I'll do burlesque and get my tits out why not it's it's that physical but that but I think that drives it I think that that can help sort of drive it it's like okay if I can do this if I can literally put my titties on the table or put them out then maybe I can do it in a different way in a different sort of space and it's sort of like proving to ourselves. I've done this once, I can do it again. I've done this twice, I can do it again. You know, I, and I do that all the time. I've I've had that in my mind since I was a kid. When I used to swim competitively, I fucking hated going to swim training. And I'd I'd like okay, I have to do t- like four laps of this. I've done it once, I can do it again. You know, and just really, but the same goes with this. The same goes with this this practice of 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 vulnerability, of of honesty in our relationships. You just reminded me that I used to swim competitively too. And I actually really liked it, and I didn't feel that at the time. But now I sometimes feel I I used to do it. I sh- I, I, I I can do it again if I want to, and I just need mm. to swim more. Yeah, it's a nice <laughs> it's a nice way to move our body. I just I I don't I didn't like who I became when I got into that competitive yeah. space, and I get really hard on myself. And for what? It's li- you're just swimming. Um, yeah. <laughs> You maybe you will get a medal medal at the end, but what does yep. that even mean? Uh, yeah, is there other moments you want to talk about? Other moments of of when I've been brave. I think without I won't go into specifics, but it was with the with the 
so I do, um, as well as like NHS counseling and stuff, I do some volunteering with a charity called the, the Listening Place, which is a suicide uh, ideation support charity uh, here in London. Again, phenomenal work that they do. And I think it's just being with, you know, individuals that come in and just listening and listening to them share their thoughts that we as a society see as really taboo and, oh, we shouldn't talk about that. We shouldn't ask those questions, you know, and just really being with that personal discomfort of the the taboo that they're bringing in and noticing my own stuff coming up and not not knee-jerking and giving them a tissue box, right? Just letting that, letting that situation, that, that experience that they're having, uh, not comforting them, not invading their space and and going into that I think that like they are the bravest person in the world to me in those moments you know this person who feels like life is no longer worth living for them to take that step and come and sit in front of me or you know for us to have a phone conversation in, in times of COVID I don't know a greater example of bravery than that for someone to ask for help right I think that's a big part of bravery as well as is, is and I, I yeah. know other podcast guests have said that it's asking for support is huge raven asking for support when you're on that final line when you're on that final strand of rope so those moments and the the things that some of these persons have experienced endured survived you know and 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 they're still questioning they're still questioning do i want to still be here and part of me feels that, and, and this is them saying, you know, part of me does. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here talking to you. Yeah. So it's just, it's being with that is, has been a, a huge eye-opening experience into, into bravery and into, it's a privilege. It's such a privilege to be able to see people and hear people and be with them in that, in that moment, f- which for me is ultimate, ultimate bravery, personal ultimate bravery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You did say something that caught my attention within that which is your that your work is to know not go into the knee-jerk reaction of comforting and all that and I think that's probably something you learn when you uh, train Uh, but I think that's something that probably we should all have some kind of emotional training to do because I feel like when you jump into comforting someone you jump into comforting them in ways that don't comfort them necessarily 100% I completely agree and we get taught this behavior of tissue you know we get taught that from such a young age and like who the hell am I to know what this person needs I don't know this person you know and and yes I think that is something that that as a as a trainee therapist counselor that does come through in the training but it's it's this it's understanding that this person a is fully competent to take care of themselves in this moment despite appearances, right? Despite what the sort of situation might might indicate, they've made it this far in, in 2020 in this world, right? They're still doing it yeah. um, and trusting that. And also knowing that it's not my place to, like, what is my place? What is my place in this relationship? And when it comes to a sort of counseling or coaching relationship, my place is to, is to, is to be there with them, mirroring for them, uh, reflecting things back to them so that they can see it themselves, so that they th- so that they can see themselves a bit better, so that they can see and say, oh, actually, I can get that tissue box myself, right? It's maybe pointing out where that tissue box is, that they get that tool is, that sort of resources where they can go in themselves and um, and dive a little deeper. It's it's 
but it's hard. I have a lot of friends who are training with me as a, a sex and relationship therapist, and a lot of them are NHS nurses. And their sort of go-to is fix, <laughs> keep alive, yeah. solve. And that's been a huge journey for them, this process of, okay, wait a minute. That's not my role here. I'm not a savior. That's not my place here. I am not the master of this person or of this relationship. They are. So how can I help them see that? What sort of tools can I share with them that they can? This is another thing I think as well. It's like we often think of comfort as an instruction. Here, here's this tissue box. Take the tissue. Well, actually, it's an option. Or could it be an option, right? Could it just be a invitation? Do you want to try that out? It's there if you need it. Here's how to use it. You know, I think that's a yeah. very different approach to, um, to the comfort piece. Because I, I feel that comfort, comforting the act of, can sometimes take away from personal agency. And that's not what I want to do in my relationships, generally with my friends, with my family. I want to promote personal agency. And, and yeah, I think that's just something to, I mean, even just saying it out loud, I'm like, I need to sit with that a little bit. That's something for me to pontificate a little bit more while I, yeah. while I sit my very French, sirop de menthe. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, trying to think about moments in my life where like comforting has gone weird. And I, re I vividly remember like the first uh, mm. death in my family, which was my mom's aunt, who was kind of like my grandmother and she mm. lived with us and she helped brought us up and everything. And I remember being in a church uh, when we were doing the wakes, wake thing and everyone coming to us, like a lot of people, because my mom has this kind of like known in our mm -hmm. uh, city. So a lot of people who were strangers to me really, <laughs> saying what they thought were comforting words that I thought, why are you telling me to, that to me? I don't even know you. And other people who mm -hmm. just hugged me, which I found mm -hmm. way more comforting. But another thing that makes me think of is that it's not comfortable for other people to mm. see you cry. Or that's what I've learned through life. So crying for me is really, really difficult. So even when I'm with my partner who I cry next to it's really hard for me and it's like I avoid it and I avoided it mm. through so long uh, because it's really uncomfortable for me to mm. cry in front of people and I think it's because like I I avoid saying things that make me cry because I don't want mm. to cry but I need to say the things because they need to be said uh, so yeah I think uh, that perception of others about your grief and your and how they can comfort you is really odd. And it's, yeah, it's something that I have been realizing yeah. through life. And very, very, it's a very, uh, not old, it's a very young realization. So I'm still working yeah, through and it. And I think what you just said just now has created something for me as well. It's this idea that, or this feeling that to grieve is brave. To be sad is brave. You know, it's, 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 if that's what's, if, if you are grieving and that is what is true for you in that moment and you are in your integrity by grieving, right? It's that, it's that piece of society tells us that certain emotions are better than others. Nonsense. All of them are valid and all of them are important. You know, tears water you, right? We, we, we wouldn't want to not water our plants, So why wouldn't we want to water ourselves with, with, with tears? You know, the, the skin under our eyes is, is specifically designed to like absorb our tears and convert those hormones. Like, 
How cool is that? Like, and and our body, our body knows when it's in integrity, when it's when it's in its true emotion, when it's in its true process. And I think, I mean, grief. I I could talk to grief about grief with you and and for hours on end in in experiences with grief and loss. But I think ultimately, I think grief as a specific experience forces us to pause forces us to slow down and I think that's another big part about being brave it's about slowing down distractions don't allow us to be brave mm-hmm. right so really slowing and nothing like grief or like losing someone does that in quite the same way I think it is true but I also feel like there is like pressure from society for to just keep going mm-hmm. And not actually pause with your grief because you have like what a day to go to, to go and go to the funeral and then you're back at work. I yeah, know, I mean, I've uh, exactly what uh, the legality of what I'm saying. I don't know if that's the the rule, but yeah, you you're not allowed to stay in your grief because you have to go back. And sometimes I think I've used that as a way of getting through mm. like I don't just need to work, so mm. I don't need to sit there and be with my grief. Yeah, but but. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just distract myself. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just put yeah. this other stuff on and, and do this thing and go out and have some drinks, whatever it is. But actually the process is still there and it's happened for me. It shows up in my dreams. It shows up in my exercise or eating habits. Like all of these things start to shift when I don't give myself the space to, to grieve or to be happy or to be angry, like all of the emotions. Right. And I think you're right about the workplace, especially not being one that's very grief friendly. And in my time working in HR, you know, I I saw that. I saw a lot of people go through grief. And my biggest thing was take the time you need. Take the time you need. If it's a day, that's a day. If it's two weeks, it's two weeks. If it's six months, it's six months. (laughs) And and I think that as as organizations uh, start to get better about mental health and mental health at work, and that's a shift that I've absolutely seen in the last few years, thank goodness, is that I think that that will hopefully start to start to evolve into something that's more supportive of the actual humans that are sitting behind the computer screens or sitting, uh, you know, doing their doing their jobs or moving. Yeah. You know. It's also like as, as terrible as this time we're living in mm. is, I think it has given that, that to us, especially to those of us who still have a job mm. and a house mm. and are somewhat comfortable what we have is more time to sit with our thoughts and our like expectations and objectives and from my experience it has made me realize better what I want and Mm. what I don't want Mm -hmm. the things I'm missing and the things I'm not missing so yeah for how terrible it is because it is and I hate it and I want it to and already it has brought that uh, time that it's hard to get sometimes. Yeah, and that's and and that's a privilege in and of itself, right? It's a privilege to to have that time to be able to go inward. It's a privilege to fucking scroll on Instagram or on YouTube or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think what I love about this podcast and the topic of bravery is that brave bravery is not a privilege. Bravery is available. It's available to everyone in different ways, in different pockets of time and in different scenarios, but it's available to everyone. And I think that's kind of I don't know, it makes me feel more alive just thinking that. Like, it makes me feel really energized to think that. That even in this time of COVID and huh, and chaos, you know, Trump and Bolsonaro and all of this other stuff, that there is still, and there are still strands of bravery 
of people connecting, of people asking for, you know, there, there's, that's still there. That's not gone. And I think that's really reassuring um, mm. to know that that's, that's still available even in these unprecedented, I'm, I'm, I'm air quoting, yeah. <laughs> unprecedented times. Yeah. On the other hand, were there moments in your life in which you weren't brave for lack of bravery or maybe fear, if that's a word mm. uh, that we can associate with it? Yeah, I mean, I think when I was, I'll say what comes to my throat because it's getting tight, which means to me I need mm -hmm. to like bring it out is, yeah, absolutely. I think I've been in, in, a, in a tense fear situation in, in not sharing certain things with my mom. Um, about previous experiences with uh, sexual assault. I've not shared anything. And I think that that requires a nuance that I am not ready yet to tap into. Um, equally, time, a time where I've not been brave has been with my, sort of my high school sweetheart, where... You know, they're engaged now. They're living a beautiful life and it's wonderful. They're happy. And I wasn't brave enough to put my titties on the table um, for for them because I was too busy holding on to fear and resentment around my with my mom and what, with what my family would think or say about this person. Mm -hmm. And that at that stage in my life, I was 14 or 15, stopped me and I've and I mean 15 16 years later I'm still work I literally dreamt about them yesterday like I'm still working on that process uh today and that's okay um and just making peace with that and I think my dreams have I, I, I dream a lot like my dreams are super active um mm -hmm. and it's kind of nice to notice how the, those dreams about this person in particular have become a lot more gentle have become a lot more calm have become a lot more beautiful despite that sort of younger reg not yeah. not acting with integrity not you know not being with this person or not fighting for that um relationship because of xyz reasons so yeah those are those are two moments that come to my mind that come to my body literally come to my throat sort of first first and foremost and i think accepting that Accepting that sometimes, like the thing with my mom and my relationship with her has, has evolved and is so much better today than it's ever been, I think, uh, or I feel. And part of it is like, what's the cost of me being brave? Is it going to be supportive to this relationship? Is it going to be supportive to this other person? Like what's, what's what, when I think about what's kept me from from sharing that, yeah. from being open and being vulnerable, it's because I feel that the outcome could actually be more harmful to her than, than it needs to be. And I think that that's yeah. something that I'm still, my, my therapist and I talk about this all the time, and it's something that I'm still, and maybe one day I will share it, yeah. but I just don't see, I don't see how it would serve her or our relationship or me, actually, I feel like it, it creates more tension than, 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 than a positive. Does that make sense? Like, it feels like it, it's, it's more barbed. It's, it's, it feels like it's covered in barbed wire. Yeah. And it's going to take a long time to sort of clip that and move that. And, and, you know. Yeah. And even then, if I uncover it, like, what's underneath there? 
Yeah. So yeah, if it and in not in 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 the possibility that it won't help your relationship, it will also not necessarily help you because you now have like a relationship with your mom that you feel like is good. That's so it. yeah, I've 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 worked on the, the the trauma, the incident itself, so much in in the last two years of therapy. You know, I I did EMDR. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah it's like the eye movement desensitization therapy. And that was so important and such a useful tool that now that the actual, the thing that the barbed wire uh, is was sort of covering is either not there or it's a tiny little thing. So it feels, it just, it feels disproportionate. Uh, but that's something that I'm still balancing out. And that's it. I think this is all a balancing act. It's all about sort of moving with what feels the most supportive to ourselves and then t to the other yeah. person. I've just realized that whenever my guest has asked me, what is something that you haven't done for yeah. lack of bravery? I always go to the outwardly uh, experiences of it. Like I haven't ridden a bike in traffic because I'm afraid. And that's like the example I usually give maybe others like doing a handstand. I haven't done it yet. And I think it's because of fear. Mm. But you've just made me realize there is a lot of things I haven't told people for <laughs> yet that I'm still working through. Should I tell them? Will that be good? Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, the, the, that inward uh, thing uh, I haven't considered yet as things I haven't done because of lack of bravery. Mm. So, yeah, I've just like uh, had uh, an epiphany on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Ta -da! Uh, but it's true because again, because again, I think we go to this outward bravery. We go to this externalized experience of bravery. And there's nothing wrong with that. But just acknowledging that there's two, we're, we're talking at different levels here. Like there's different levels of bravery. And which one do we want to be operating from? Which is the most supportive in that moment to me? It takes some kind of... I wish, you, I wish you were recording this. My face and my hands. I'm like <laughs> a little crab. Yeah, it takes time. It takes time. And uh, what's, the yeah. what's the I think this is another thing. It's like, what's the rush? In some in some moments, there is that sort of impetus to that energy, that courage, that sort of fire that that prompts that moment of of bravery, of vulnerability. But I think with some of these pieces that are deeper, take time, slow it down. Again, slow it down. <laughs> the distractions keep you away from it. So yeah, just reiterating that point. Yeah. I just I just like remembered again uh, something that uh, I've just recorded a pod I was a guest at uh, a podcast that is out already. Uh, it's a podcast about sex and there is uh, I'm super open about sex and I talk about sex all the time and I talk about like I don't know if we can call them graphic but I will call it like graphic details about sex. Uh but there's like one thing that's probably and it's a silly thing. And now I'm going to say it at my podcast, so everyone will listen, even if they go, don't go and uh, search for that other podcast. Uh, there's one thing that I feel shame about in sex, which is, I think, I don't know, uh, I'm putting things on other people, but I think it's a, an odd thing to, it's not a thing. I think people feel shame about a lot of things in sex, and this is like a, an odd one to feel shame about. And it's the age in which I had partner sex for the first time, because I think it was late, mm -hmm. and that I carry that shame throughout, like, Uh, long periods of time and I never said the age publicly before that podcast mm -hmm. because I still have shame about it and I think is I'm again it's a stupid word to use but I think it's dumb because <laughs> in the years since I have done mm -hmm. it I have 
had like wonderful experiences and varied experiences. So it's like the idea of catching up to time. I have done, I have catched up, catch, caught up to time and nothing like of the years before I had partner se sex, I regret. So why do I feel shame about it? But I do, I still do. So yeah. But yeah, saying it makes it easier. Yeah, absolutely. Bringing bringing the sort of covert and bringing that out yeah. into the open, making it overt, is a, is a helpful is a helpful step. And I think just because we're talking about sex now, um, <laughs> I think a big part of this shows up as well in fantasy realization. Um, so I'll be so bold as to share a little bit of that here. Is I won't go into the details to protect the innocent um, but I, I basically had a fantasy that I was in the middle of realizing you know with with this partner and I froze I just completely was like oh I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't actually like be in it because it was so overwhelming the shame was so overwhelming everything was so present despite me having been brave enough to and that my partner being accepting enough for us to, 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 to go into that, to make that a reality. And I just remember afterwards, you know, having this moment of, oh, I can't, like, and f like, literally in the middle of it. Like, we were in the crux moment, in that, you know, the moment, that moment. <laughs> yeah, that, that moment. moment. And, and just freezing and kind of collapsing next to them and, cr and just, and like, weeping. <laughs> not even, not even like, I was like in, I was a tear. I basically transformed into a tear. <laughs> and and f and saying, what did I say? I said, I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like I'm drowning. And and them saying, let me be your armbands. Or here's your armband. Something like that. And that helping to sort of bring out, bring me out of that shame spiral that I've never, like that was deep. That was some deep stuff. And... And and shame can be with sex. It's so prevalent. It's and uh, for it to literally be about something like the age in which we first had shared sex, mm -hmm. or for it to be about uh, fantasy fulfillment in in my case, or for it to be about fucking like language that we use with sex, right? Saying vulva, saying anal mucus, like for it to be so ingrained is 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 a really big challenge that a lot of people are navigating and a lot of people are navigating well into their 40s 50s 60s right so what a blessing i think in a lot of ways that our generation the generation that's coming up i feel is taking a much more i've got my life vest on like i'm i'm okay approach to it they've got different tools and toolkits that fuck we i never had um yeah, yeah. I think we do as a as, as and, and I do think I do live in like a, a, a weird bubble. So I don't know how how prevalent that is in the world. But I think sex is talked about more and pleasure is talked about more. Mm -hmm. So I think that helps yep. uh, in people feeling more comfortable in talking about that. What was I going to say about it as well? Oh, I was going to say that uh, you talked about language and language sometimes is like another hard one. And I feel like I'm, I'm way more... Uh, up for talking scientifically with like vulva and anal mucus than just saying like the words people usually use yeah. uh, like the sexier words of sex <laughs> yeah. well one of the hardest things and i find this so interesting one of the hardest things is to like talk dirty for me yeah. it's like why why is that like why is it that some words that i use in my day-to-day -day language suddenly become oh, 
can't say that in this scenario. It's an interesting one. The relationships that we have to our language. And is it interesting, like, because I know you speak Portuguese and, and other languages too. Like, do you find a difference between the languages that you speak? Like, is one more shameful than the other or not? This I have said many times before, but it is associated with the fact that I've started partner sex late. I've never had sex in Portuguese, so my language associated uh-huh. with sex is mostly, mostly English. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say as well, like, I have, I tell this story on my stand-up uh, about, like, uh, a bad date that led to sex. And that, that was the bad bit when I, it stopped. It was the moment I realized we can stop sex midway through and tell people to leave our house. Uh, but, like, I've asked him to give me a little bit more clitoral stimulation. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like this is something I wrote for my stand-up set to use, like, this kind of scientific word thing during the the act of sex can you give me a little bit more clitoral stimulation please mister i'm a biochemist so i use scientific <laughs> words <laughs> but that's it's interesting like i don't want to put you on the spot here but it's like how much of that is uh a cover-up like how much of that is a dis- like how much of that and I, I don't know the answer to this but like how much of that is a layer um what do you that, mean? like to, to use the like scientific language like how much yeah. of that is 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 it like or is it i don't fucking know like is that covering something else like is that covering a deeper layer of deeper bravery using the scientific language mm. i'm not sure i think i think i have trouble not like i don't think i know how to ask him that without using that language right. but i do have like i don't know saying uh during sex, because I have, again, no problem saying the words uh, outside of the mm-hmm. moment, but saying like pussy and cock and stuff like that during sex is cr- cringy for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know why, because it's odd. <laughs> but that's it. I mean, the, and you have the awareness of it, right? And I think that's another big yeah. thing that, that as a society, I think we're, because it's being talked about more, etc., there's more awareness to it. Um, and what we're not aware of, we can't change or we can't water or we can't. You know, we can't shift, so. Ugh. Pussies. <laughs> Cocks. Put them all on the table. <laughs> um, it might be a yes. bit difficult to put a pussy on the table, but I think you get my gist. <laughs> you can sit on the table. It can work. It's not necessarily... Yeah, it can work. Is there anything coming up in your life for which you will have to be brave? Good question. The answer is, uh, yeah. I am starting from this week taking on ton- like loads of more clients with counseling so in a way that I've never had this many people before and that feels like a lot and I'm questioning can I can I slow down can I contain that can I hold that what what these individuals or couples bring in and it's creating a lot of anxiety in my body it's like literally just saying it out loud has made my head go it's like pulsating um so so I think that will be a space where I get to practice being being in my integrity and being brave with these individuals who are already being brave by by getting in touch and 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 requesting support so that's absolutely coming up strong this week like literally this week I have <laughs> like for, for from Tuesday to Friday every day it's like four people back to back and that's another thing it's like the spacing it's like with 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 like counseling work when you're working through an agency or a charity it's like you have four client allocations and they're back to back. You're if you're if you've got five minutes between a client to like, so it's like uh, it's your uh, lemon sorbet to clean to, your to, palate to cleanse the palate yeah. exactly, and that's tough. 
that's tough because it's it requires a lot of presence and a lot of energy like after I work with people like I'm knackered I'm so tired I sleep so deep like I'll drool everywhere and I think that that is something that I'm physically and emotionally like preparing myself because I think I'm gonna need to be it's scary it's so scary to be to be in that room for the first time with 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 someone that you've never met before so yeah I think that's what's that's gonna be a big brave it's gonna be a brave week coming up um bring it on I'm uh, this is the thing I'm I'm very much a let's do this dance let's do it let's just be in it Let's put the things on the table and and let's look at them. And I think with with yeah. that approach, it'll be at least that's what I'm telling myself. It'll be, it'll <laughs> be good. It'll be what it'll be. But yeah, so that's coming up. How about you? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if there's. Mm, yeah, there is. I guess. Uh, I I try to bring new things every time people ask me because yeah, I do the podcast uh, every yeah. week. So for the listeners uh, to have a new thing about that, I'm being brave about. I'm sort of developing a show um, and I've had like a, a workshop about developing shows that was very, very good because it, it mostly talked about the logistics of uh, putting on a show and like t- thinking about goals and how to measure goals, what you want with a show. And that, uh, I don't know uh, why I haven't thought that that will be the case before, but that actually... Uh, inform the creative process of the show a lot, uh, thinking about like the uh, logistics, mm-hmm. uh, more scientific-based approach to putting on a show has informed the creative more. Uh, oh, yeah, it's open. It's open. It's uh, open that 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 up a little bit. That yeah. sounds really cool. So I'm I'm excited about that, but also a little scared mm-hmm. because I may want to ask people for help. Uh, to put on a show and that's I do most of the things by myself because when you ask for help you have to take the help (laughs) and you have to if they say yes and then don't uh, actually commit enough you have to chase people and that's another moment of uh, I'm why you don't need to do this for me you are offering your time and and, Mm. uh, expertise to me uh, I don't want to chase you to give me what you promised me, but you have pros- promised me and I have a deadline. That's like, I think the biggest reason I don't ask for help in creative um, when I'm doing the shows and stuff, uh, because I'm afraid of the the next step when I have I will have to be to put on my producer hat and ask people to uh, give me stuff. In th- with deadlines and stuff like that. Yeah, I can just hearing you say that. I can feel the like stress mounting up, um, yeah, and and the sort of like tension that that creates because you care, right? You care about what you're creating. At least yeah. I sense that you really care about what you're creating, and um, yeah, and in a lot of ways, what we create is our baby, right? It's it's our little our little. Yeah. this is my here. Take it, um, and to have someone else's. And hand it is a, a show. Mm. And it is a show about sex, by the way. Just like to put it down there. Add an extra. <laughs> add an extra layer of yeah. of, uh, of stigma, of shame, of all that stuff in there. Why not? Why not? Why not? I love it. I love how brave you are in in creating this content oh. and creating this space for a podcast and for people to have these conversations. I think it's great. Like, what a, what a cool way to. Like I'm so. This is like one of the best Sunday mornings I've had in a long time. So, that's a, another good thing about thinking about goals because I hadn't uh, done that work for this podcast. So my goals were very 
vague and up in the air. But then your goals can also change with the process. So I don't know if my goals are... I still have... like my. I think my main goal about doing this podcast was learn, being better at having conversations, being be- better at the tech side of uh, working with audio. And so those were my goals. Uh, an extra goal would be having listeners that actually want to consume the content I'm putting out. But I've realized this week that maybe the best goal that, it, and that is shifted because it wasn't maybe one of the goals at the beginning, is that for this past, I think I released the first episodes in August. So for this past few months, I've had regular chats with people that I wouldn't be having in real life because I wouldn't. And especially at this time that we can't really be mm-hmm. together physically I will ju- not even maybe maybe I'll text these people. I wouldn't be having like Zoom conversations with them just to hang out. So yeah, that's another good goal for this podcast now that is being met. But that's it. <laughs> so, but like, yay, but success. Like, amazing. And like, thank goodness our goals can change. Thank goodness our values can change. Like, thank goodness we're in this like space to like can grow and evolve like mm-hmm. how 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 cool is that that in in such a short time right since august that's what four months yeah three months four months uh, that things are already growing and evolving like that's that's amazing like that's that's why we're here that's like the raison d'être look at me being all french <laughs> <laughs> um no have, I mean, it's very cool it's very cool it's, and it's a real privilege to be a part of it and for for us to be having this conversation i hope i hope that that these conversations that you and I have just had, that we can have them again in the future, socially distanced, walking in a park somewhere or something, and dive a little deeper into into you know the the piece that you said about asking for help. And I, I you know I think yeah. it'd be great to sort of keep keep these spaces open for for more conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last question I'll yes. ask you about bravery is if there is someone in your life, real or fictional, uh, like a public figure or just someone you know. That he's an example of bravery to you. Oh, I was just talking about this person. Uh, I'm just bringing up their name so that I don't mispronounce it. I'm probably going to mispronounce it anyway. I think I think their name is Hadish Mohammed. Basically, they're this 36 year old barrister who burst out of the pigeonhole that society built or had constructed for this person. And I think that that tenacity and that sort of perseverance and that, like, that to me is such a, such a brave, and also that it's not about them. It's about something beyond them. It's about supporting other people. I think that to me is a really beautiful example of, of, of bravery. And we were talking about, it was, it was an article in The Guardian in, like, January of this year that we were talking about forgive me if i mis- mispronounced their name um i need to double check it but but yeah it, i think that that is a is a really clear for me example of you know this is the confine that i've been placed into what am i going to do with that and and being brave in that little space allows me to be brave outside in the bigger space mm-hmm. but again i think it's there's little moments of bravery everywhere right my the bus driver the the three two one breast driver is 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 doing their is doing their piece. They're they're stepping into a different type of bravery. There's different elements of it all around us. I mean, I will be controversial and, and bland this here. You know, Boris Johnson was being brave yesterday during his. Uh, I mean, we won't go into politics here, but to 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 stand up on that little podium and sort of tell people 
lockdown, you know, I, hey, that's an element, that's an element of bravery that to a degree, you know, maybe it's a bit late, but whatever, you know, <laughs> say what, say what one will, but that's it. I think it's about, I think seeing bravery in, in different people is important as, is as important as it is as seeing bravery in ourselves even in people that we don't like or don't agree with. I do think that seeing bravery in other people, like the, the telling them, oh, you've been, you're being brave, may be encroaching on the other mm. person because you're putting ideas in their head. But uh, realizing for yourself that you think someone is being brave is a way of knowing what you are afraid of. See, absolutely. Seeing it, acknowledging it in another person can help you see it and acknowledge it in yourself. Uh, and that doesn't have to be an outward expression. It can just be a, you know, a slow down internal process. So I think that's, that's it. Um, I feel really bad that I've like mispronounced this person's name now. I'm going to have to like message it to you as a voice note so that you can put it in with the right, <laughs> uh, with the right pronunciation of their name. Uh, there's so many other people, but yeah, those are the, those are the sort of thoughts that come yeah. to mind. And yeah, there's like the the closing question is if you have anything to promote that you want to tell people about uh, or s- yeah. where they can follow you. Sure, no, you can follow me on, on Instagram at Relationship Design Coach. I offer two different strands of, of coaching. One is a very sort of pragmatic, functional framework called the Relationship Map. The other is a sort of deeper element and an approach to to one-to-one coaching around getting clear on your values standards and helping you know the individual design the kinds of relationships they want to be in so if any of that is interesting or piques your interest get in touch send me a dm Uh, i'd love to i'd love to hear from you and uh yeah i think that's it really i just realized uh by saying like your body language that I go from talking about bravery and being like super in-depth in it to just like do you have anything to promote and I saw your body like you you stretched and this was like okay I'm done with talking about bravery and I just need to go to another piece of my brain where I'm going to try and promote myself but like but literally like moving our body is is an act of of I think allowing the bravery to sort of move through it like I think it's stretching and moving and doing I mean I've done that a lot during this conversation right moving my hands and moving it around it's all it's all part of the the process the ex- it's all part of the process all part of the experience um but this has been great this has been a super experience i'm really grateful for you this is great thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest at my podcast my, it was a lovely conversation my pleasure enjoy the rest of your day and uh hopefully see you soon Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me at, at @marianisbeats on Twitter and Instagram for all dowdy updates. As all podcasts will tell you, all rates and reviews will be super welcome. And do share the podcast with your friends or on your socials. Hashtag DowdyPod. I would also like to know your pics of people who, to you, are examples of bravery. Share them on your reviews or tweet them at me. Huge, huge thank you to Champagne for the podcast jingle and a bunch of other things that are on podcast related. If you've enjoyed listening to Dowdy, have some spare to give, and would like to support me and help me improve on my tech and skills, all tips are welcome through PayPal and Coffee on at Mariana's Beats. I've been Mariana Pejdal. Until next week.